Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. It is Monday morning, uh, Monday we record uh, with Denon in a bloke in a bus. That is going to be a huge innings. You heard the first eight teams we spoke about last week. We're going to do the next eight teams. So you'll hear that over the Rugby League Guru Podcast over the next 48 hours or so. A heap of content to come there that's going to be unreal. We'll also dive into the recent news. Obviously I touched on Jesse Bromwich the other day. Dylan Edwards, he's re-signed with the Penrith Panthers, which is an interesting one. I think a fair shout, but it obviously kind of stalls Stephen Crichton to some extent, so there is going to be some conversations there. Uh, so really looking forward to getting to that. You'll have a heap of content coming over the next two days. Thank you for everyone that... Oh, I've seen that there's been a lot of new people joining to the podcast over the last two weeks or so. Numbers have been going really well. So fantastic to see. So welcome to all the new listeners. Let's get stuck into my Instagram Q&A that I put up the other day. Now, I actually put up one of these uh, the week before, and uh, unfortunately, I fucking Instagram locked me out of it or something after a certain amount of time. So I've been on top of it this time. I've taken screenshots of all your questions. So we're going to do those today. I'm going to break them into two parts, though. So be about 12 questions in each one. I've picked out sort of 12 of the best. So I'll go through those now. We'll kick it off with those questions. Part two of that will be coming later this afternoon. So stay tuned for more content, probably this morning actually. Who am I kidding? It'll, it'll come at about 11 o'clock this morning. So uh, you'll have a bit of content to get through today. Let's kick off with our first question. It's from Daniel underscore Wheeler underscore. Daniel, thank you for your question, brother. Thoroughly appreciate it. Will the Roosters be contenders in 2022? I definitely think they will be, mate. Um, people have asked me a lot of time, who's your early premiership tip? I haven't really picked someone yet, but if you put a gun to my head and you said who takes it, the Roosters would be one of the three teams I would mention. Uh, it's Penrith, Roosters and the Melbourne Storm for me. But I've got to tell you, over the the last two, three weeks or so, Melbourne's probably, you know, dropped down to probably third place. I've probably got the Penrith Panthers and the Sydney Roosters at the top. But as I always say, if Cam Munster comes back and owns this season and has the season that he probably should have had for quite some time, uh, all of a sudden Melbourne are back in contention. But for me, I think the Roosters are definitely true, true contenders. You think about last year, they had no one playing for them. They finished fifth and 
you know, we have seen this before where a team has a heap of injuries, they overachieve that year, and then we sit there on paper and go, fuck, what about when they get this guy back, this guy back, this guy back? Uh, people that have been long-time Guru listeners, or if you were here from day dot, you will know that I have actually fallen into this trap before. 2017, the North Queensland Cowboys absolutely killed it. Uh, Jonathan Thurston was injured. Everyone wrote them off, myself included. I, I wasn't doing Guru back then, but I definitely wrote them off. Uh, Tamari Martin came in. Michael Morgan went to a new level. Malolo won a Dalian medal. First guy since Gavin Miller as a forward to win it. It was unbelievable. And I sort of thought, wow, Cowboys in 2018 could be Thurston's last year. They're going to be a serious problem. Uh, shit the bed, unbelievably. Thurston played terribly. The Cowboys were just very average. So... We have seen this before and we have seen teams struggle. But for me personally, I think the leaders in this team and w- at the points that they are at in their careers and the coach, Trent Robinson, I think the Roosters are a different kettle of fish. So I've had a few people point out the 2017-2018 Cowboys to me. It is a fair shout. I have fallen into that trap myself before as well. But I still think the Roosters will be, at worst, I think they'll come fourth in 2022 at absolute worst. I can't see them finishing outside of the top four personally. Thank you, Daniel. Great question, mate. Uh, this one's from underscore Noah Buxton. Any chance of the Sharks uh, making the top four? Thanks for your question, Noah, mate. Always appreciate your support. Yeah, I, I think there is. Do I think it's a good chance? No, I think it's a long shot. And that's not taking anything away from the Cronulla Sharks. That's just pointing out how good the other you know, top six teams are. I can't see any of the six from last year probably missing the top six. But if one of them does miss the top six, I think it will be be because of the Cronulla Sharks and the team that misses six probably finishes seventh. I can see Parramatta maybe dropping to seventh or eighth. I can see South Sydney potentially dropping seventh or eighth. But I don't see either of those teams finishing any lower than that. I think the Sharks do play finals footy next year. I'm very confident they play finals footy. Whether they make the top four or not, I'm not overly sure. What I will say about the Cronulla Sharks, though, is that around origin time, they're still going to have a pretty damn good squad. So there is going to be opportunities there for them to gather a few wins that maybe other teams will struggle, especially those teams at the very top. So Cronulla could have an opportunity there. I'm just thinking off the top of my head, the only guys from the Sharks who will play origin next year, you would assume would be Dale Finucane. I can't see Cam McInnes in the side. I can't see Wade Graham in the side. There's no one else in their pack I see making it. I don't see Nico Hines playing. So I don't see Jesse Ramian playing. So there will be an opportunity there for the Sharks. And I think it's a huge advantage for them that they've got a really good side, but they don't have a side full of stars that are going to play Origin. So there is going to be a six or eight week period there where the top teams are going to be decimated. And all of a sudden, the Cronulla Sharks on paper are probably the best team in the competition sort of week to week. So I think there is an opportunity for the Sharks to make the top four. Will I be betting on it? No, I will not be. So Sharkies, they are a top eight team for me for sure, but can't see them making the top four. And that's just the reality of this competition for me. Thank you, Noah. Our next one comes from Popper Blackhead. What a name. Good God. Who's the next coach? I'm waiting for Rowan Smith, Christian Wolf. Okay, Christian Wolf obviously been around for a long time, coached the Tongan side. Um, that's obviously gone well over the last few years. I think there has been a bit of animosity there recently. I'm not sure, though. Uh, I haven't kept up to date on that overly well. Don't know a heap about Christian Wolf, to be perfectly honest with you. I have heard good things, and he has been successful in different areas. But the other name there, Rowan Smith. I'm incredibly keen on. We've obviously had him on the podcast. We talk to him every few weeks. He just won the Queensland Cup with the North Devils. I was talking to someone the other day. Uh, I can't remember who I was. To, someone on Instagram that was actually in the North Devils system. They're now coaching within that system elsewhere. And they essentially said to me uh, that it is a first grade system. The way that Rowan coaches is a first grade system. And I, I, I think he is ready to take that next step. Whether Rowan wants to take that next step or not, I'm not sure. Um, if you haven't pieced it together, 
Rowan Smith is, of course, the son of Brian Smith. So Brian Smith is, in my opinion, one of the most underrated coaches we've seen. I think he went to like five or six grand finals. He didn't win any of them, though. And when you don't win those premierships, uh, you're almost better off finishing fourth every year than losing a grand final every three years because you just get absolutely pizzled. And Brian Smith was. But... He took teams to grand finals across decades. Off the top of my head, uh, you got the 92, 93 Dragons. You got the 2001 Parramatta Eels. You got the 2010 Sydney Roosters. I think there are a couple of others in there somewhere. I'm just talking off the top of my head, though. Could be wrong. Uh, but he definitely has lost a fair whack of grand finals, and he's sort of remembered for that. And I know that from talking to Rowan, uh, if you're not lifting trophies in the NRL as a coach, you, you realistically aren't hitting the standards that every single team wants. It's a job where you're waiting to be sacked. I sort of think that even though Rowan is such a champion bloke and a great coach, I think he would get targeted in the media because he is the son of Brian Smith. Uh, I, I would con- consider Rowan a mate at the same time too, so maybe I am a little bit biased there. But I think he's the guy that would be ready to coach a first-grade system, and I think he would be successful. But whether or not Rowan wants to do that, and if he doesn't, I completely understand it because, good God, he is on such a good wicket at the Norse Devils, and he's doing fantastic things there. Another guy which I would love to see get an opportunity somewhere is um, Jimmy Dimmick up at the Gold Coast Titans. His name hasn't been thrown around for a couple of years, but I think eventually he will make uh, a pretty good coach. He's got one of the great rugby league minds of all time, in my opinion, one of the best ball-playing big men we've seen. Um, you know, I probably would have said the same thing about Todd Payton, though, to be fair, 18 months ago, two years ago. So see how it plays out. But Jim Dimmick, he's a guy that just demands respect in any room he walks into. Great rugby league mind. From what I've heard from a lot of players, they absolutely love him. Uh, as a kid, I was coached by his brother, Milton, who was an absolute genius. Absolutely loved being under Milton, even though I couldn't play to fucking save myself. He was great. And I, I feel like the little contact I've had with Jimmy through him and the way that I've seen Jimmy interact, I think he would be really successful. I think he'd do well. Great question there. Um, yeah, it's tough first grade coaching. Good God. Because if you don't hit the ground running, you get labelled as being a hack instantly. Uh, thank you for that one, mate. Our next one is from KO Optimal Performance. Is Melbourne going to recover from losing their forward pack? Who is going to replace them? Yeah, look, it's going to be really interesting and I'm assuming that over the next few days myself and Denim will take a deep dive into this as soon as this broke we essentially both sent each other the same text going good god imagine Melbourne Storm are finally going into the market the Melbourne Storm are walking into the NRL market as the big swinging dick with a heap of money They've never been in this situation before. Sorry, they have. They haven't been in this situation for a long time. I think Xavier Coates, they brought him this year. He is the first origin standard player they've brought since Mick Crocker. They brought Mick Crocker from the Roosters in, what, 04, 05, 06, maybe? Like, a long, long time. Actually, maybe it was after his time at uh, South Sydney. I think it was, actually. But still, a long time ago. It's been at least a decade since they've really gone into the market to get big players. And here... They're going to have an opportunity. And look, they've got Tepai Morrow. They've got Josh King. They've got Jordan Grant. They've got a couple of forwards there that I think will step into this squad. I think they'll do well. Uh, but realistically, they're not Nelson. They're not Tui Kamikamika. They're not Brandon Smith. They're not these huge momentum guys. They're going to get you across the advantage line and then generate eight to 10 post-contact meters. They're not those sort of guys. They're going to have to go into the market for those guys if they want to play the same brand of footy. Whether they do or not, I don't know. They, You know, it is Craig Bellamy. He could change his plans to play a different brand of footy. It might be time for a new coach to come in if Craig decides that's enough for me. That's my worry that potentially all these guys leaving uh, have been told, hey, 
you know, I'm on borrowed time here. I'm getting older. I'm not going to be the coach here for the next four years. So you guys should take care of yourselves. That's only my thoughts. I don't know if it's true or not. I've got no factual evidence to back that up with, but I'm just reading the writing on the wall that maybe could be seeing a transition period a little bit deeper than what it, what it looks on the surface at the moment at the Melbourne Storm. But they will recover. They will be fine. There's enough. I, I was saying to a mate the other day, we were talking about this, and I was like, you know what? As long as they've got a 7 out of 10 forward pack between Harry Grant, Jerome Hughes, Ryan Pappenhausen, you will be fine. You will be just fine. They've got a number of guys coming through that Falcon system at the moment, which we'll talk about during the offseason, that I'm very keen on as well. Some outside backs and some ball players in there. So I think they will be okay. Uh, also Munster. I didn't mention him there. Whether Munster ends up in Queensland or not remains to be seen. But if you throw Munster in with those other three, I think that's a top eight team. If you just give them a couple of planks of wood and a couple of wingers that can catch realistically. So I think Melbourne, they will be okay. But it is an interesting time there. Uh, do you think Munster and Cleary would be able to have a connection for the World Cup? Yeah, I think they would work fine together. That one comes from Glenn Lachlan. I think they would be a good little combo, um, especially when you consider who they're going to be going up against. I look over there in England, and I don't think there's any halves there that could possibly compete with probably our second or third choice half. Uh, I look at New Zealand. Uh, they've got some talent there, but I don't think any of them are in the Nathan Cleary category. I don't think any of them are in the Cam Munster category. I would probably argue I don't think any of them are in... Well, I mean, J Jerome Hughes is there, to be fair, but I still wouldn't put Jerome Hughes above Nathan Cleary. So I still think they'll be okay because of the squad they'll have around them. And I think when you get to that Kangaroos level, you know, yes, the combinations are a bonus to have. There's no doubt about that. But they are two premier players that will be fine. The way that I also see that Kangaroos side lining up is that they will have Isaiah Yeo at 13. They will have Nathan Cleary at 7. Cam Munster will just be able to play Cam Munster footy. Nathan Cleary will dictate that side, where they go, the shape they get in. I just think Munster will be able to chime in and play his natural game, and I, I think it'll work fine. They will also have James Tedesco at fullback. They will have Tom Travojevic at right centre. They will have Latrell Mitchell at left centre. Tom Travojevic will be playing rugby league. He'll be roaming around everywhere. So I, I'm really not concerned about that combination. I think they will be fine. That's if Jerome Luai doesn't, you know, win that jersey. If Cam Munster has another uh, quiet season, I guess you could say, another quiet Origin Series, and Jerome Luai, I don't know, wins another Origin Series and wins another Premiership. I mean, I, I know that we're hearing he will play um, for Samoa, and I hope he does, but... I mean, there's an opportunity there for Jerome Lloyd to potentially earn the Kangaroos 6 jersey. Whether he wants it or not, I do not know. I'm not sure if we know that for sure or not. But I think there are options there. But I would consider it extremely likely that you'll see Nathan Cleary and Cam Munster lining up together. Uh, the next one is from McMaster Max 7 That was a mouthful. Teddy or Turbo? Uh, a turbo on last season's form, but consistency over a long time with leadership and everything. Uh, probably James Tedesco, mate. I've always said, and it's sort of been tested over the last year. There's no doubt about that. Um, turbo is probably the better footballer, but Tedesco is the better fullback. I've had to sort of back down on it a little bit because of how good Turbo was. But now that that season is over and I look at the final series and I look at how it all played out, yes, in the regular season, Turbo was the better fullback, the better footballer, you name it. He was unbelievable. But Teddy has been consistent for five years now. If he isn't one, he's the second best fullback in rugby league every single week for the last five years. He's also delivered on the biggest stages. He's also carried that Roosters team last year that looks like a busted. So... 
I mean, it's easy to say turbo based on what we saw last year. It is only 15 games. He never beat anyone that was on top of him on the ladder, uh, you know, at the end of the season, obviously. So, Teddy, he was able to beat some of these top teams when he was running around with teenagers in the halves and whatnot. And he was, you know, playing, playing football that he wasn't used to. He was learning on the fly how to play sort of like a second 5-8 sort of role, almost like a halfback sort of role as well. So uh, it's I think it's closer than what people think. I think there's a little bit of recency bias towards Tom Travojevic. I think people forget how good Teddy has been for an extended period. If Turbo does what he did last year for the next three seasons, I mean, the conversation is over, but he has to do that first. Teddy's been doing it for a long, long time for me. Um, you know, you got to remember he's already a two-time premiership winner. He perhaps in New South Wales. For me, he's the captain of the Kangaroos at the moment. So, yeah, I probably lean towards Teddy still, to be perfectly honest with you. But on their day, at their very best, I don't think you can go past Turbo. But we don't get that in finals and in the big games in the NRL. Origin, we do 100%, and we will get it in the NRL eventually. It's just a matter of when. When that happens, this becomes a really, really interesting question for me. Not that it isn't already. So thanks for that question, mate. Our next one, Andrew L. Mason. Underscore Andrew L. Mason, in case you got confused with other Andrew L. Masons out there. If you were Adam O'Brien, would you try to sign Josh Hodgson on a one-year deal? Don't mind it. Uh, obviously, you've got... Um yeah, a young Braley that's gone down there, which is going to leave a hole in that side. But I think they've got a, a ready replacement there to come in, and I think he will do a really good job, Randall. I think he'll be okay. I think he, I think he's got a little bit more creativity than what I think most people think, and what I think as well. I had to go back and research him and watch games from New South Wales Cup a couple of years ago. Has played a few seasons in the halves, so he can handle himself ball playing wise with a bit of upside. So I think they'll be okay. I understand the Josh Hodgson thing as far as direction and everything, which is the only thing Newcastle lack for me. Uh, I'd probably rather them go and find a seven. I think uh, Kempe mentioned Aiden Caesar last week. I wouldn't hate that one. Um, Mitchell Pierce would be really fucking handy, though. I'll tell you that much. But, yeah, I, I just... I mean, if you put... Yeah, I don't know. It's tough. I, Josh Hodgson probably isn't the guy that I go for because I know that Josh Hodgson isn't going to be there the year after. He's on his way to Parramatta. So, yeah, it's a Band-Aid solution, but I, I just think that you are... You, you're, you're filling a spot at hooker that I think you can already cover as it is. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm not overly keen on that one. I would rather them go after a seven. But the direction and the experience would definitely help Newcastle. There's no doubt about that. Next question comes from Connor GR 98 Salary cap relief for clubs who produce juniors. Love the idea in theory. Um... The, the practical side of it is a little bit more difficult. Uh, what do you declare as juniors, for example? Um, you know, the Roosters would argue that their juniors are when they bring them into Harold Matson SG Ball, when they're flying kids from all over the country. And if it wasn't for COVID, kids from Fiji, New Zealand, etc., they still kind of are, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, but, I mean, they could argue that those guys are juniors. They could argue that Roger Tuovasacek was a Rooster junior because he came over for SG Ball, etc., etc. There's a number of really talented kids they have got flying over from New Zealand at the moment, they are going to bring through. Are they born in Bondi? No, they're not. Did they play for Bondi United, St. Charles, Clovelly? No, they didn't. But they were in their system from that point. So that's where it gets really difficult. And that's where also, you, yes, there's going to be salary cap relief for teams that produce talent. So there will be guys out of the Penrith Panthers who produce talent. But Penrith won't be able to keep all of those guys. That's the reality of that situation. So those guys are going to go elsewhere, whereas the Roosters will collect 
a group of really talented guys. And I, I personally think it'll only make those teams sort of stronger. Uh, you know, it'll probably hinder the Melbourne Storm, but your strong, powerful teams like the Sydney Roosters, I think it will probably help them, to be perfectly honest with you. I don't think people uh, have anticipated that. If you're going to tell me, oh, it has to be guys that have played from under sixes in your area, that's fine. But, mate, the, the amount of guys that make it to first grade that have played for X amount of clubs that are from all different places, these guys, when they're teenagers, if they're really good footballers, like, they have other coaches and shit pay them to go and pay in other divisions. I remember a guy that, when I was 16, he got in trouble because he was playing in the Penrith, Parramatta, and the South Sydney comp because a coach was dragging him from team to team throughout the entire season because he was a good player. He, he went on to just miss first grade, but that's the reality of the situation. All of a sudden, who is he a junior for? Is it who he plays Harold Matz for? Who he plays SG Ball for? Because then the Roosters are going to say, hey, all these guys are local talents for us, even though they're born in New Zealand, they have didn't set foot. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. In Bondi Junction at any point in their entire life, essentially. So, yeah, it's a tough one. I understand where you're coming from. I don't know what the perfect science is, but I think that the, the teams that you're trying to benefit probably won't actually get the benefits off the back of it realistically. Uh, but I do like the idea. You probably need someone smarter than me to work it out, but you also need someone that understands what I just spoke about through the junior ranks and how it works in reality of it. What do you think about the Eels this year? That's from Joshy Park. Uh, yeah, I like them, mate. I think they'll do well. I think they'll be in the top eight. Don't think they can win a premiership, though, if I'm being brutally honest with you. I think they will finish somewhere from third at best to eighth at worst. I can't see them missing the top eight. It's a great team on paper. It's a well-balanced side. Interesting year with Reed Marnie, Isaiah Papali'i leaving. It'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. But I just can't see them winning a premiership at the moment. But hopefully I'm wrong. Uh, draft and trade period. Trade period I like. Draft I do not. I've spoken about the draft a lot. I, I just think it's not practical. Um, you know, I have people say to me, oh, you know, if Sam Walker was at the Bulldogs, they'd be a different team. They wouldn't be because Sam Walker wouldn't be the same footballer under Trent Robinson as he would be under Trent Barrett. Let's be perfectly honest here. Sam Walker wouldn't be the same guy if he spent a preseason with Kyle Flanning and a Jake Avrillo as if he spent a preseason with Luke Keary, with Cooper Cronk, these sort of guys. Like, yeah, I, I think people try and compare apples and apples in this situation. It's not the reality of it. Uh, I think if Sam Walker was to go to a system that's not as successful at the Roosters that isn't as set up at the Roosters, I think there's a really good chance that he is the Ash Taylor in 10 years and you all bag him and say shit when he's not realistically. It's a product of the system that you're in. Uh, I also want you to consider with the draft, it's all good and well, it's great, but how many guys, and you know what? COVID has changed it a little bit, but once we get back to normality over the next few years, and keep an eye on it, how many guys once again are breaking contracts because they're homesick? It will start to happen again. Every single club will be impacted by it. The New Zealand Warriors signed a lot of really good guys over the last few years. Keep an eye on some of them to get all of a sudden homesick when they're living in New Zealand and they're doing pre-seasons over there. That's my only worry about the Warriors recruitment that they've done because uh, they've been based in Australia 
in Redcliffe up there. It's been a pretty good gig for guys that are getting paid money to move to New Zealand, but they're not really moving to New Zealand in the reality of the situation. So draft, though, when it comes to that sort of stuff, if you're a kid from Brisbane and you get drafted to the Warriors, uh, you know, I'll bet my dick you're homesick pretty soon because that happens with players all over this competition. It's the reality of the situation. That's my only other problem with draft. The other thing about draft is that I think people are like, oh, you know, benefits got teams that, that bring through juniors. I don't understand that argument at all. It doesn't. It comes down to who you're lucky, where, where you finish in your draft, where, where you manage to get guys. I mean, just because they're in your system, every single team has scouts at every single junior game at rep level. It's the reality of the situation. I don't think it really does benefit teams that actually produce young talent. Um, there's a couple of other aspects to it as well. I mean... You know, for example, if we knew that Sam Walker, if he was on the draft for season 2021, the teams that are in the bottom four in season 2020, they're going to tank. They're going to try and lose games to try and get a guy that can potentially turn their franchise around. Every two or three years, we hear about the next Sonny Bill, the next Andrew Johns, the next Wally Lewis, the next Brad Fittler, all these guys. Teams will start to tank for these guys. It will happen, I promise you. I guarantee you it will start to happen because these franchises are desperate. It is bloody hard to get off the bottom in the NRL. What Canterbury have done is incredible, the amount of guys they've signed. But, like, you watch the Cowboys over the next year. It's going to be hard for them to get out of it. If the Cowboys know that the next potential Andrew Johns is on the board in 2024, I tell you what, and with six weeks to go in 2023 or whatever it is, they're... they're you know, two points away from the bottom, I guarantee you they're going to finish fucking last. So they're going to have a really good crack at it. So, and you know, that happens in the NFL. Guys get rested. Guys get sudden injuries. They pull out. You can tell teams are trying to lose. It's a shit fight. You know, a Peyton Manning, I remember a few years ago, he, he, he went on the board and then, you know, like, sorry, Peyton Manning was a terrible example. Uh, guys that have come through in the draft season that you know are going to be good that teams try and get. And sometimes it pays off. There was a situation with Peyton Manning where, you know, he had an injury for, uh, the Colts for years upon, you know, he, he had a, back, a a neck injury, I think it was, and then they came last or close to the bottom. They got Andrew Luck. He was meant to be the next prodigy quarterback. He was great, but he retired at a young age and they were fucked all over again and they threw away that season. So you have to accept that all of a sudden there's going to be one, two, three, there might be more teams that are not going to make finals that are now tanking to try and get a better pick for next year because they think that there's a prodigy talent there that can turn their system around. So... Look, I I would love nothing more than to get a heap of blokes, get together, have a heap of beers, have a barbecue, enjoy draft day. It's unreal. I love NFL draft day. It's sensational. But I just think in the NRL, there's so many aspects that people don't think about the reality of the situation. They just paint this Walt Disney narrative about how cool draft day is going to be, which it would be mad. Don't get me wrong. But there would be so many issues that come off the back of draft day. It's not even funny. And I don't want a competition where there's teams tanking because there are potential really talented players coming up in the future. Uh, that one's from NRL fans WA. If you are in WA in Perth, I don't know how many listeners I have in Perth realistically, but that is a page you need to be following. Everyone should be supporting him. NRL fans WA champion fella. Came on the podcast a few months ago to talk about his strategy and what he's doing and everything with me. Really nice guy doing really good things. A couple of good interviews on his page there as well. Promoting the game in WA, which I'm all for. Champion fella. All right, a couple more questions. Clint Mack. Hope you're well, Clint, mate. I know you're a regular on the page. How much time does Trent Barrett really have at the dogs with Gus there now? I think he's got a while, mate. I know that Gus and uh, Trent are pretty close. Uh, Gus obviously coached him in a number of State of Origin games for a number of years there. So I think they're pretty tight. So I, I personally think 
he's safe at least until next year. Uh, but, yeah, it'll be interesting to see with all these new signings. If they don't improve at all, which I find hard to believe, but if they don't, I mean, there could be a bit of Barney rubble there for Trent. But I think him and Gus are pretty tight, to be honest with you. Um, let's have a look. He's, you've got to remember, he's also come from the Panthers. You know, him and Gus sort of have that connection as well. There's a lot that goes into it there. They've known each other for a long time. They've coached. They've played under each other. There's a, there's a heap going in there, and oh, I think he's pretty safe there. Uh, Dean McGuinness, every team's most underrated player and why they're essential to their success. Uh, can do a podcast on this later in the week. I've got a few to catch up from questions over the last few weeks as well, but... Um, that's something I'll look more into. A lot of my guys that I'm talking about are for breakout seasons and stuff that I'm talking about. A lot of those guys are underrated players, but I think this is one uh, that I can turn into a podcast on its own over the next few days. So McGinnis, if you don't hear it over the next few days, send me a message. Could forget. We'll try not to, but send me a message if I do to remind me because I'm happy to go through all these teams and talk about it. Uh, Turnbull underscore Cooper. Any thoughts on the Eels in the top four? Already spoke about that. I think they possibly can, mate. Um, but I've probably got them. I've got them third, four, five, six, seven, eight, somewhere in there. I think they're more than likely to be five or six, though. Realistically, uh, when Latrell returns, who plays seven? Ilias or Taft? That one's from Angus. Hurley, uh, yeah, I've got Ilias, mate. I've got Ilias when Latrell isn't there. I've got Ilias when Latrell is there. Taft might turn into a 14. I'm not sure where Taft fits into this system, realistically, when Latrell is back. But I think it has to be Ilias, and I think you have to stick with him uh, for the vast majority of the season. Sharks' best backline to start the season. I think the Sharkies' backline sort of picks itself. I'd have Nico Hines at six. I'll, I'll come back to halfback, but I've had Nico Hines at six, Will Kennedy at one. Wingers, I'd have Mulatalo, and I would have Katoa. Centers, I would have Ramian. Then I probably have Connor Tracy at left center. I really like Connor Tracy, solid player. Ikevalu isn't in the side at the moment, so good depth. A couple of other guys that haven't made the side off top of my head, too. Then you get to the halfback jersey. You have got a few options here. You got Braden Trindle, or you got Matty Moylan. I think Trindle again it, but Moylan is the experienced head. If he gets back to his absolute best, he will solve a lot of problems uh, for the Cronulla Sharks. In saying that, I think Trindle can do a good job there. I'm just a little bit hesitant about him. Uh, but once again, if Moylan gets back to his absolute best, which if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that I, I'm always a big fan of Moyser and I'm always backing him in. But even though I find it hard to believe we're going to see the best out of Moyser, nothing would make me happier than to be wrong, though. I actually think that Moylan and Nico Hines they'd be a very unorthodox halves pairing, but I think they'd actually work well together, especially with the way that this Cronulla team is structured with a big pack, a lot of explosive forwards, a good defensive side. I think that they could survive with Moylan at his absolute best. When I say Moylan at his absolute best, I mean back to Penrith Panthers day when he was playing for the Kangaroos and absolutely braining it, um, along with Nico Hines. I think they could be successful, but a lot of it comes down to that seven jersey for me. But that's sort of how my back line would look there, mate. Uh, thoughts on who will play 14 for the Dragons? Look, they've got Moses and Bai there. This is from Angus as well. They've got Moses and Bai there who I, I just can't see a world where you buy Moses and Bai and then you don't play him realistically. Maybe he's just a depth, you know, brings some maturity into these young guys. I don't know. But I just... I just find it hard to believe they're going to sign him and not play him. Personally, uh, you've got these three young guns that I absolutely love. Uh, Amone, he'll be in the six. Uh, you've got Tyrell Sloan, he'll be in the one. Personally, I'd have Bud Sullivan at 14, but I'm worried that because they have got Mosin by, they'll play him there. So, gun to my head, if I had to bet who they pick... I think they'll go Moses and Bai. If I got to choose who I would pick, I would go Bud Sullivan there. I'd also be very worried about Bud Sullivan, Amone, Tyrell Sloan, that 
you've got Wayne Bennett who has got money falling out of his ass at the moment, ready to sign whoever he can over the next year. Any really talented player that isn't in a 17 or is disgruntled at their club, they will get a call from Peter O'Sullivan or Wayne Bennett. Uh, and I would say that there will be a couple of Dragons called. I won't be surprised if they do manage to land one of these guys if they end up unhappy at the Dragons or if things aren't going to plan. I know, I know they've re-signed and everything, but contracts in the NRL are worth as much as the paper they're written on. That's we've, the, the reality is that. History has taught us that. Uh, let's have a look. We'll have two more. Uh, random squad with either sub-50 games or any non-rep players. Love the content. Thank you, Hulk Hogan official. Appreciate that, mate. Uh, yeah, we, we, we can do another randomized team during the week. How do you feel about the Jesse Bromwich signing with the Dolphins? That one's from Sione Tonga. One. Uh, yeah, mate, I really like it. I actually dropped a podcast on it the other day, giving my live thoughts. Uh, I've seen a lot of, especially journalists, which I can't fucking believe. But anyway, it's this is this is why journalism is changing and it's heading in the direction that I'm going which is great to see Put, pulling up his stats and saying oh his meters have gone down every year for the last three years it's not a stat signing it is a leadership signing uh, I spoke to Peter O'Sullivan on Friday afternoon when this broke I spoke to him about an hour after and he's the recruitment manager for the Dolphins and the first thing he said was our leadership is sorted out now. Our leadership is sweet now. We can move on. And in that, then he said to me, they've got a, a couple of young guys that they're waiting to announce that is going to be really exciting. The Jesse Bromwich signing, it is a leadership signing. It is the Melbourne Storm signing Glenn Lazarus in 1999. 98, sorry, we spoke about this the other day. It is not because Jesse Bromwich is as good a player as Glenn Lazarus. I would never say that. Lazarus is probably the best front row we've ever seen along with Artie Beetson. But... He is a winner, and he's been in winning systems, and he will bring standards. He will set standards. There will be no corners cut. He will be the first one to training, last to leave. He'll set the attitude. If you're a forward and you're arriving at the Dolphins and you've got a flat face, Felice Cafusi, Jesse Bromwich, you're not there to fuck spiders. Yeah, they're going to send you in the right direction. So I absolutely love the Jesse Bromwich signing. You can tell how excited Wayne Bennett is about it too. He knows that it really matters. Uh, let's do one more question. Uh, unsung club heroes. Bradley, that's a really good one, mate. That might be another one that I can do uh, as its own podcast. Smokies for Origin. Cooper, another good one. Uh, that's probably its own podcast, though. Here's a good one to finish on. Bowie underscore Mitch. Uh, how will the Chooks use Manu, similar to last year? I think they will, mate. I think Manu is a talented enough player to be given a license to roam. I think he'll play right center. Chance he plays right wing, which would allow him to roam a little bit more, but I think it's safe to assume he will end up at right center. Uh, you've sort of seen the way that Tommy Turbo has been used in Origin. I think... I think Manu can be used in a similar fashion. You sort of just give him a license to do what he wants. From what I've gathered, I think Val Holmes is going to be in a similar position for the Cowboys next year, playing center, but given a license to go and play footy. So, yeah, I do think Joey Manu will be used in a similar fashion to last year where he's not pigeonholed down a corridor. And that's always been my problem with centers in the modern game. You used to see guys that they'd swing to both sides of the ball. Uh, now we play very left and right, and you stay in your corridor and you hold your form because if there is a turnover or whatever it is, you need to be in your shape quickly and when teams are out of shape they panic no, no, they're all also used to these robotic systems especially in defense which is fine it works but it makes it hard if I've got my right center and he's over at left center and then there's a turnover and everything it just it just it can get a little bit chaotic 
if things break down on the left, they have to swing back to the right. All of a sudden, Joey Manu isn't there. But I like giving guys a license to roam. You need to give it to guys who, who understand the game, who understand where they need to be, who have those instincts to understand where, the, where they should be, where the ball's going to be. And that's what Turbo is so good at that's so underrated. Uh, his, his smarts around the ball are sensational. And Joey's very similar. Very, very similar. So I think Joey Manu, he will be used in that fashion. He will be allowed to rotate around and just go to where he can sniff out an opportunity somewhere in the line. Uh, guys, thank you for sending in those questions. We will have part two uh, coming later today, but that's a 30-minute little spin for you of all your questions. If you sent one in, thank you. If you sent in one and you haven't heard me read it out yet, just stay tuned. We will get to them later today as well. And then, as we said, heap. An absolute stack of Bloke in a Bar content coming, a few hours coming over the next two days where we take a deep dive into the remaining eight sides and all the news uh, from the last week or so in the NRL. Cheers, legends.